Nexus Church is all about cultivating an authentic Christian community where old and young alike journey with Jesus and are transformed by the gospel. May we be challenged and inspired by the power of His Word. I have the pleasure tonight of wrapping up our Romans series. I love Romans. I love it so much. These, the two passages I'm sharing from tonight are actually two of my favourite scriptures. Uh, so I am, I'm really pumped to preach tonight. Usually I'm extremely nervous, and I am again extremely nervous, but I'm so excited. I'm really excited because this is a passage that can not only change your life, but change the lives of those around you. So if you can grab a hold of what the scripture is saying tonight, I know that people around you are going to become restored in their lives, and that's why we do this. We want to see people restored by the power of Jesus. So I guess open your hearts and let's do this. Should we pray? Let's, let's pray quickly before I get into it. Lord, I thank you that you've already been working on our behalf. Lord, that we're not trying to start the car. You've already started it. You're waiting for us to jump in. And, and Lord, tonight we do that. Lord, we jump in and we know that you're the one that's driving, Lord. And I'm about to pray, Jesus, take the wheel far out. <laughs> But Lord Jesus, take the wheel. Why not? Let's do it. But Lord, have your way tonight. Lord, use my words and, and I pray they land on hearts and that lives do get changed and lives become transformed. And Lord, that it doesn't stay here, but it flows out into our community. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, can't go much worse than that. I prayed that Jesus will take the wheel. It's a good start. I want to start with, um, I guess tonight, the question I want you to have in your mind is, what are you carrying? So what do you carry? So as I, as I read the scriptures, as I start to unpack this, I just want you to have in the back of your mind, what do I carry? Because that really will help frame, I guess, where we go with this. As a, uh, as a man, I know one of my primary roles in life is to carry things. Not much more than that, just to carry things. You go through many stages of life. When you're single, you carry nothing. You show up. You don't have your wallet, you don't have your phone, you probably don't have your keys, you just show up and you're like, meh, it's all good. Then you start dating and you learn about this thing called a clutch. Right, ladies? Am I right? A clutch. The hybrid handbag wallet. It's a beautiful thing. And when you start dating, as a boyfriend, you learn to carry the clutch. But you don't carry it like this. This is how women carry a clutch. They walk around like this. They carry a clutch because they want to let us know they don't need to carry too much stuff with them because they're very low maintenance. It's a really good thing. And then they hand it to the boyfriend and we hold it like it's uh, one of those mugshot cards in the, in the jail. You hold it out in front of you with a deadpan face because I, I don't want people to think this is mine. And so after that, you then get married and the clutch upgrades to a handbag because she no longer wants, needs to hide all the crazy things she wants to carry in a bag. And all of a sudden, you're carrying this handbag around and uh, no longer low maintenance, but you never know what you're going to need. You might need an umbrella, you might need some unspeakables, you might need some pavers, you might need all these things and you can carry it around in a handbag and as a husband, you have to carry this handbag. Then children arrive. Now this gives you a false sense of security because yes, you carry a lot more than just a handbag. You start carrying a nappy bag, nappies that should last six months in case this 20 minute trip really blows out, <laughs> food to feed a whole village wipes that become landfill. That's a whole nother story. But it's a false security because you've got this thing called a pram. So as the husband and as the father, Smithy, you know, you no longer have to carry anything. You just whack it in the pram. You've got this repurposed shopping trolley that carries your children and all of your things. 
But then something happens that really hurts. Your child no longer wants to be in the pram. So you lose the pram because you don't want to look like a crazy person carrying around a trolley with all this stuff in it. But your lovely wife and mother of the children thinks that we still need all of this stuff. So there you are carrying the nappy bag and everything. And then this goes to a whole other level if you want to go to the beach. I carry multiple surfboards, bodyboards, umbrellas, food again for six months, snacks for everyone, towels for everybody that might show up to the beach. And it all gets put on my back. As a man, my primary role is to carry things. So tonight, as we read this passage, I want you to consider, what do I carry? So let's jump into it, because stories are good, but scripture is better. Romans 1, 14 to 17, it says this. I'm obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel, also to you who are in Rome. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. This is one of my absolute favorite verses. This is Paul at the start of his letter to the Roman church, letting them know, I really want to come and preach the gospel to you. And he uses three words when he talks about how he feels about preaching to the Romans. The first of those is bound. He feels obligated, this sense of obligation to preach to the Roman church. He feels indebted because of the gift that Jesus has given him. He feels indebted to those people and and called to share the gospel with the Gentiles. The second word he uses is eager. I'm going to quickly unpack this passage because I want to get to the next bit because I think it's really cool. The second one is eager. Basically, he's saying that I'm super keen. So that, that word eager in the original translation could be translated as ready and willing. So that whole thing, put me in, coach. I'm ready. Put me in. That's Paul. He's ready. He wants to get in there. He wants to preach the gospel. And the third one, the one that really sticks out, I think, when we, when we read this passage is not ashamed. For I'm not ashamed to preach the gospel. You think about being ashamed of something... If you're ashamed of it, you'd usually want to hide it, right? But Paul's saying from the outset, I'm not ashamed of it. I don't want to hide the gospel. I don't want to water down the gospel. I don't want to shy away from the gospel. Or should I say, I don't want to shy away from the good news. Because this is what he's carrying. The good news that is for all. When I think about Australian sport, specifically Olympics, uh, There's one specific event that I think is the greatest Olympic Australian sporting event of all time. And when I say that, you probably naturally think, oh yeah, Kathy Freeman running that 400 metres in the Sydney Olympics, or Thorpey in any race he swam, Grant Hackett swimming that 1500 metres. I remember, oh, Kieran Perkins swimming the 1500 metres. I remember my dad, he's watching, hey dad. When dad watched Kieran Perkins, he started crying. I was a little, I was looking at him like, what's going on, mate? <laughs> it's all good. He's winning. <laughs> it's a good thing. But none of these are the one I think of when I think of Australia's greatest sporting achievement. I think of our first Winter Olympic medal, our first Olympic gold medal by Stephen Bradbury. Oh, my goodness. That's the most Australian sporting moment of all time. And you think about it, he's definitely not the fastest. He's not the most skillful. I'd probably say he didn't work the hardest. Like, let's be honest, he looked like the lead singer from The Offspring. (laughs) 
And he showed up, but he was there. He was there and he was keen. But the only reason he won gold is because everyone else stacked it. And that kind of comes to mind when I think of this, I'm not ashamed. Because he still got to stand on the top of that podium. He still got to sing the Australian national anthem. And in his cupboard now, he's still got that gold medal. He's not ashamed, even though he won because everyone else fell over. And don't get me wrong, he still worked hard and he got there, all of that, but that makes my illustration fall over. It's, uh, he was not ashamed to still stand on top of that podium and be the victor. And this is similar for Paul. He wasn't standing there on his own merit on what he'd done. He had an incredible encounter with Jesus on the road. And that changed his life. And that's why he's not ashamed to preach the gospel. Because what's he say? He says, I'm not ashamed to preach the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. It's not the power of his words. It's not the power of his life. It's the power of God. The dunamis power of God. So those three things, Paul is bound, he's obligated, he's eager, and he's not ashamed. So why is he so keen to preach the gospel, the good news in Rome? Firstly, it's Rome. Why wouldn't you? If you go to Europe, you go to Rome, because it's incredible. It'd be like going to the sunny coast and not going to the beach, or going to Wagga, not going to the main street. It's a... You've got to go to Rome, but also, he understood that that was the gateway to get west and head over into Spain, but... That's all right. But the other reason was he knew that unity was needed. He knew that unity was needed in the Roman church because earlier what had happened is the the Jewish Christians had been kicked out or all the Jews had been kicked out of Rome and then they'd been allowed back in and so the non-Jewish Christians were there and were kind of going about their way and, and loving this gospel of grace. And then the Jewish Christians are coming back and saying, whoa, 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 what's going on? You're not sticking to the Old Testament stuff too. And so they're kind of a little bit of a divide. And Paul knew the thing they needed wasn't a committee meeting. They just needed the gospel because the gospel unites us. Unity was needed. Paul understood that the gospel was the ultimate leveler. As a youth worker, I, um, I used to work with kids with complex to extreme behaviors. And um, some of them were great. Some of them were great as well. Some weren't so great. And the ones that weren't so great, I would love to do this thing with them. I'd love to take them to the beach. Because they were often the kids that were a little bit arrogant. They were like, yeah, I got this. I got life worked out. You can't tell me what to do. I'm going to make it. And then you take them to the beach. And the ocean has this funny way of (laughs) pinning you to the ocean floor. And it doesn't matter how rich you are, how poor you are, how smart you are, how stupid you are, how arrogant you are, or how humble you are, you get hit by a wave in the ocean, you're getting pinned to the ocean floor. And so I would do this because I wasn't allowed to pin them to the floor, obviously. But nature happens. And I'll do this because the ocean is the ultimate leveler. And this is what Paul understands about the gospel. It is the ultimate leveler. He says that it's for the Greeks... So, another way of saying it's for the people of different religions. It's for the non-Greeks, which could be translated the barbarians. So, that's a a real mix. Different religions and barbaric people. The wise, or the the original word is sophos, so the sophisticated people. I'm often called sophisticated, aren't I, Ray? No, no, I'm the next one. Sophisticated people and foolish people, so stupid people. The gospel is for everybody. And Paul knew this. He knew it was the ultimate level. And so he wanted to take the gospel and preach the gospel 
in Rome to the Roman church. The other thing the gospel does is it restores us. And this is where the real power is. And I don't want to rush through this because I really feel we need to catch this tonight. It is by the power of the gospel, it is by the power of God that we become restored. And Paul understood this. He talks about righteousness and, and being made right with God. And you can go back to Genesis 3 and it's an incredible account that I think paints a good picture of us today. There's these three ways. So obviously when the fall happened, when they ate the fruit of the forbidden tree, they were alienated from God. But in being alienated from God, there's this other alienations that happen, I guess, that I think we experience and we see as we look around today. The first one of those we see is psychologically alienated. So Adam and Eve, they, they ate it and straight away they heard God walking in the garden and they were afraid and they were ashamed and they were fearful. So they hid. When I look around, when I look around Brizzy, when I look around our community, I see people that are afraid. I see fear. I, fe- I see shame. The next one is they were socially alienated. Adam and Eve straight away started blaming each other. Adam's like, well, Eve made me do it. She forced me to eat that fruit. And they blame each other. We see our relationships break down. When we look around, we see relationships breaking down. And this again, this is a symptom of being in a fallen world. This is a symptom of us being alienated from God or our relationship with our Heavenly Father no longer intact. The third one is we're physically alienated. All of a sudden, we feel sadness. Our bodies break down. People die. People get sick. Our earth is going bad. The reef is dying. I don't want to go super green on you, but this is all a part of what's happened in that fall. We were psychologically alienated. So in our minds, we became fearful and we became riddled with shame. Our relationships are breaking down. We're not good at relating to one another. And our bodies are falling apart. But again, Paul understood the power of the gospel. Because it's the power of the gospel and the power of God that restores all of these things. But they can only happen after you restore that relationship with your heavenly father. And this is what he knew. This is the good news Paul was carrying. I want to be a carrier of good news. Don't you? Are you sick of seeing this hurt? Are you sick of seeing this shame, this fear, relationships breaking down? I'm sick of seeing people. We've done too many funerals in this church lately. It's sad. It's hard praying for people for healing. But guess what? We serve a God who restores. And this is the good news that you and I carry. This is the good news that Paul wanted to carry into, the, into Rome and for their church and for them to go outside the church as well. So I do want to ask you tonight, what type of news do you carry? I recently um, signed up for or subscribed to a newspaper because there was a deal going on for four bucks for a month and I thought that's a cheap way to get crosswords in Sudoku. How good. <laughs> I did it for one week. I'm not a real news reader. It may surprise you. I'm very learned. 
But I wanted it for the crosswords and the Sudoku. And Re and I would usually fight over the Sudoku. Usually the easy one. Re could do the difficult one. I could only do the easy one. But I did one, and then our cupboard filled up with newspaper. And um, uh, home tip, side point. Home tip, if you're washing windows and wiping them, use a newspaper, not a cloth, and it won't smear. Fantastic. Re taught me that one. Thank you, Re. Um, but I subscribe to this newspaper, and there's so many different news sources out there. And often what we do is we find the news source that speaks our language, that maybe reports in the way that we want it to report and reports the things that we agree with. And we carry that bias, and more often than not, I feel like it's bad news. And so I guess I want to ask you tonight, are you carrying bad news or are you carrying good news? Because that's going to affect those around you. If you're carrying bad news, you're just adding to the noise. You're adding to those things, that fear, that shame. You're adding to relationships breaking down. You're adding to the division. But if you carry the good news, you're going to restore those around you. Because it's the power of God that gives us salvation. And it's available to all. So like Paul, do you feel obligated Do you feel eager and are you unashamed to share the good news? I think it's important we go a step further because, yes, we need to carry the good news. But I think maybe we've fallen into the trap. I'm going, Pastor Megan told me to go off script, so I'm going off script for a bit. I think we've fallen into the trap of thinking that if we live a good life, people will find Jesus. We heard that, that saying by um, Francis of Assisi. Francis of Assisi, thank you, Pastor Cam. Assisi, not Assisi. <laughs> Francis was not Assisi. He was a macho, macho man. He was a... Francis was not Assisi, he was from Assisi. Anyway, he says this thing, this saying, preach the gospel always and if possible or when possible use words or something along those, those lines. And I think we've fallen into the trap of thinking that Let's just live a good life and someone might catch a bit of Jesus. Nah. That's not what the scriptures tell us. If we head to Romans 10, 13, it says this. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. We need some more beautiful feet around here. We need less ugly feet carrying bad news. I've got ugly feet. Sometimes I think I have dog feet. Because I don't wear shoes and I get these epic calluses on my feet and I can walk on anything. I'm off track. I'm off track. We need some more beautiful feet carrying the good news. But you're not called to just carry it. You need to preach it. You need to speak it. You need to use your words. You can't catch a bit of Jesus. You need to let them know about the power of God and that that is the key to them having restoration in their lives. Do you want to see people in your family find Jesus? Tell them that it's the power of God that does it. It's not me. It's not you. It's not Nath, Melissa, Sam, Beck. It's none of us. We don't bring the restoration. We just bring the words. Time to bring some more words.
it makes you ask the question, why aren't we telling people? So let's go all the way back to the start when Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why aren't we telling people? Why do we hide this thing that is the key for all people? Greek, non-Greek, wise, foolish, everybody. This one thing unites all of us. This one thing restores all of us, restores our relationship with our Heavenly Father and then restores our minds. How good? Need a bit of that. Restores our relationships. How good? Need a bit of that. Restores our bodies. We see people get healed often because we believe in the power of God. So why aren't we using our words? So tonight I want to challenge you. What do you carry? Do you carry the good news? The good news of Jesus? The good news that it's the power of God. I'm going to get the words right. It's the power of God that brings salvation for everyone who believes. You know that word salvation simply means saves? It saves us. We need to be saved. Oh my goodness. I need to be saved. I'm so thankful for Jesus because I can't get out of it myself. My brain's a mess half the time. My body's falling apart. I get it wrong in relationships, but the power of God, the power of God is that good news you and I are called to carry. So tonight, firstly, I'll invite the team to come join me. I've kind of flown through this, but this gives us time to pray, so I'm down for that. The first one I want to ask is, have you heard the good news? Maybe you're here tonight and this whole concept of good news is foreign to you. Maybe you've been part of church for a long time, but this concept of good news is foreign to you. Maybe you've fallen in the trap of thinking you need to live a certain way or it's morality that's going to save you. It's not. And how good is that? The price has been paid. Jesus was thinking of you as he hung on that cross, as he willingly gave up his spot in heaven to come down and to wear our sin, to wear our shame, to wear our alienation. He wanted to wear that so that he could restore that relationship with our heavenly father. And that's the good news and that's on offer. So I'm here to tell you that good news is for you. Maybe you're looking around and you're feeling pretty fearful. You're feeling pretty riddled with shame. Now's not about restoring that. That'll come. First, you need to restore your relationship with your Creator, with your Heavenly Father. And He's beckoning you to come home. He's inviting you in. He wants to restore you. He wants to restore me. He wants to restore our relationships. But he wants to let you know he loves you. That's why he did it. Because he loves you. You are his family. He wants to invite you in. So tonight, if you haven't heard the good news, this is for you. I'm preaching the good news for you tonight. Because I want you to hear it. You need to hear it. Maybe you have heard it. 
Are you carrying it? Are you carrying that good news? Are you holding on to it? Because it's everything. We get so caught up in bad news and division and all this stuff. Hold on to the good news of Jesus Christ. Because it's the power of God that saves us. And the last one, I think this is for all of us. And um, when I was preparing this message, I was I often drive out just random places, and I think people kind of look at me weirdly and think, "What's this guy doing?" And this truckie pulled up beside me, and I was doing this message, and I was like, "I should be sharing the good news with this guy." This kind of falls over because I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have the opportunity. He was in the truck. I was in my car. It was a bit weird. He reversed. I was ready. He was going to like ram me. That's another story. But maybe you're carrying the good news. And tonight is the night you need to get a bit of gumption about you and go, I'm going to share the good news. I'm going to allow my words to point to Jesus because it's him that restores. It's Jesus that restores. It's not my life. People look at my life and think that's going to get them restoration. Man, that's sad times for them. But I want them to look at my life and see the power of God and how that has restored me, how that's restored my mind, how that's restored relationships, how it's restored my body. Many of you have heard the story of the parasite I was carrying, and in a moment I was healed. God does that. We don't do that. God does that. So tonight, time to put on your beautiful feet. Time to be a carrier of the good news and a speaker of the good news. Time to use our words. I'll get you all to stand if that's all right. Can I get you all to close your eyes? It just makes it a bit easier. Do you feel fearful and riddled with shame? I have good news for you. Do you feel like all your relationships are breaking down and there's no hope for restoration? I have good news for you. Do you feel like your body is falling apart and you are really frightened of death? I have good news for you. I'm not ashamed of the good news I carry because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. It's the same Lord who richly blesses all who call on Him. So tonight, if this is the first time you've heard the good news, can I ask you to be really bold and just to raise your hand because I'd love to pray for you. This is the first time you've, you've heard the good news of the gospel and the restorative power of God. I'd love to pray for you. 
Or maybe tonight. Tonight it's time to get a little bit unashamed. Tonight it's start to put some, let's start to put some words into action. If tonight you want to make that declaration and you want to say, I am unashamed of the gospel and I'm going to start stepping out and sharing it with those around me. Can I just get you to place your hand on your heart? Lord, I thank you for every person that has responded. And Lord, you're a God of action. And so, Lord, we want to become people of action. So, Holy Spirit, go before us. Lord, give us eyes to see what you want to restore. Lord, give us eyes to see the broken world around us. And Lord, remind us of the good news that we carry. And Lord, I thank you for your simple gospel that Jesus is enough. He has paid the price and he invites us to join him. And so for every person that's responded here tonight, Lord, I pray that you give them boldness. I pray you give them courage. Lord, that they will be a people that want to prophesy your name, your truth, Lord, your good news. Lord, that we would see unity and that we would see restoration. Thank you, Jesus. We hope this message encouraged or perhaps even challenged you in your Christian faith. Our pastors meet regularly with people to pray and support them and we extend this invitation to you. Please let us know if we can contact you to offer support. Simply call the office or visit nexuschurch.com.au.